Welcome. To Arcade Audio. It's time for shared history. <laughs> melts in your melts in your mouth, not your history. I'm sorry. Oh, My- it's so hot, and I love it, and I was so taken aback. Wait, wait, do it again. Give me, give me some shared history again. Oh, hey, hi! It's shared history. Melts in your mouth, not in your history. Nope. <laughs> I wasn't feeling super strong about that tag to begin with, so thank you so much for coming in hot with What up, bitches? <laughs> Welcome to Shared History. is like, I'm not used to Natalie being so aggressive at the top of these episodes. Oh, I love it. I, I've been like sleepy cast all day, so that just gave me the burst of energy and excitement that I needed. Nothing wakes you up like just being called a bitch (laughs) and nothing wakes me up like uh provocative slogans involving history melting a wolf i think i probably wrote that one and i'm i apologize to the universe (laughs) you did a lot of them you did a lot of good ones in there and then i was like oh i should probably help contribute i cracked into that spreadsheet for the first time in a while uh, a peek behind the curtain, listeners. We have a very long spreadsheet where we keep these great A taglines. <laughs> and I cracked into it the other day and was like, "Oh shit, I need to write some more." Good thing this. Good thing we're almost done recording this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are running low. Yeah. Pretty soon there will be no more brands ever in the world. There will be <gasps> from your lips to sky. Who's up there? S- sky uh, daddy. Sky daddy's ears. <laughs> What's up, Scott Eddie? Scott Eddie. Um, if we get extra silly on this, I'm not going to be mad. There's another peek behind the curtain, listeners. Regardless of when you're hearing this episode, don't freak out. This isn't the end of the season. However, for Cass and I, this might be the last non-guest episode that we record this season. Or it might not, but it might be. We've actually recorded another episode earlier today keep peeking behind that curtain yeah 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 beautiful lovely guest we do a two a day sometimes sometimes we get sometimes we get saucy i like how i'm making an excuse for us being bananas you nobody (laughs) needs the excuses they're used to it (laughs) yeah everyone be like oh it's not different than any other episode (laughs) and i don't know what you people are talking about went uh same as it ever was (laughs) well welcome welcome to shared history Speaking of of same as it ever was, I told Natalie that I was getting in kind of a music, I won't say slump, but like I just, I just kept doing musicians, conductors, music history, and I needed to get away from that, composers, and what did I do? I'm coming at you with more music history. What I love um, about it is that you did so much music, then, like, I caught the music bug and I did a musician as well, and therefore gave you permission to give 
to do more music. More music. And it, and I'm okay with it. And you know what, y'all? I work at a music store where I am... I'm like the Harold Hill of, <laughs> of Des Moines. I am the studio lesson coordinator at a music store for for like kids band instruments and whatnot and I set up all the lessons so so you're just you're bathing in the music I'm giving the children music I'm opening up minds and hearts and um, a lot of broken eardrums to parents sorry everyone <laughs> this reminds me I have uh I was about to say remind me when we're not recording to to give you a, a music recommendation that I received recently, and I think you would enjoy immensely. But just who just cares? I'm just, yeah, listeners, if you wanna, if you wanna jam to this too, this music recommendation came from our lovely friend Adam McNamara. He recommended the band is called the Night. Is it the Nightworks? It might just be Nightworks. It's N I T E W O R K E S, and it's like a. It's like traditional Scottish instruments meet like contemporary beats. And Ooh. so it's very, I, it's very good. There's some like Gaelic singing happening in some of the tracks. And in some of the tracks, there's just like some Highland flute or piping paired with like six synth beats. It's a real vibe. I recommend it. You're speaking my language, Natalie. I, so here's for everyone. For everyone to enjoy as much as Castle. <laughs> but it's not about Adam McNamara or Nightworks. It's about... It's about... Uh, I'm going to talk to you about the international sweethearts of rhythm. Are you flirting with me right now? <laughs> I might be flirting with you. Via I'm blushing. 1940s big band group titles. I mean, That's, you know, yeah. you know what my body wants and needs. <laughs> and I give it to you. Let me know about these international sweethearts. Not um, to be confused with international sweethearts of our podcast. <laughs> Call back to Adam McNamara. He is a sweetheart. He's international and we love him. Um, but working at a music store, I just like, there's shiny instruments all over and I played a, like, I played trumpet in fifth grade band for a little bit, but kids come in to test the instruments, see which ones they want to play. And I know enough that I can get a sound out on all of them so I can teach these kids how to play so they can figure out what instrument they chose. And I got to play a trombone the other day and it was just so delightful. And everyone, if you have, I don't know if they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook and maybe on Twitter, but A Mighty Girl is a great uh, page on Facebook where just every day they throw information about amazing women and girls from history. They throw Sybil Ludington out there a lot, a lot of, lot of fan favorites, so that one comes out every few months. And I'm like, I love my girl Sybil, episode one of shared history talk about civil Ludington, right episode yeah. one mm -hmm. yeah um and then so i found this amazing woman melba liston who is a bebop jazz trombone soloist from the 1940s and i was like i'm gonna talk about melba liston and as i'm doing my research on melba liston 
I come across the International Sweethearts of Rhythm. And you cannot resist a name like that. You cannot. It's impossible. So, the International Sweethearts of Rhythm was the first integrated all-women's band in the United States. They began in Piney Woods, Mississippi. It was a kind of vocational school um, started by this guy, Lawrence C. Jones, for for poor girls, for uh, African-American girls, um, people that just were in this poor community and he wanted to create a school for them essentially because education uh, is amazing. And he actually adopted one of the girls who went to this school and there was this big band, this all-female uh, jazz band, Ina Ray Hutton's Melodiers. Ina Ray Hutton was this kind of like saucy, white, like sensual, big band leader. And she had an all-female band and they really played up on the like, the sex. Cause people don't want to listen to wow, female Wow, Bombshell musicians. is right. I just looked her up. Bom- right? Yeah. Swoon. Like she's got, she's got like the bleach blonde hair. Um, she's in like tight little numbers and amazing jazz musicians. But they were definitely playing into the we all sexy ladies. And hey, if you got it, doing... flaunt it. And if it's and the only way people it. will t- pay attention to you and let you let you pursue your craft. Yes. And and they flaunted it and they were great. And they kind of were a huge sensation. And so Lawrence Jones was like, I've got a school full of girls. And he created like an all-girls choir and that's how he did some fundraising for this uh, vocational school and he's like well we could put a jazz band together so he made this all-female jazz band and they were huge they were amazing they ended up touring the country twice they went overseas and did uso tours and everything and it was it was fully integrated they had they started off in mississippi so it was predominantly African-American girls, but then there were uh, Latina, Indian, Native American, Puerto Rican, white women. Um, and so they they tacked on the name international to it to show that there was this broad spectrum of people. Can I can I pop in with it? First of all, Please do. I need to let you know that Anna Ray Hutton was from Chicago. Um, this is what happens. This is what happens. This is why I'm not allowed to Google your something you're talking about while you're talking about it, because I just yeah. wanted to see a picture and I found this this hot controversy controversy that apparently historians are uh now theorize that uh Ina Ray, is it Ina 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 that Ina, Ina Ray Hut, Hutton was uh not white no way yeah it says that it says that they 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 were known to have been white but historians theorize that they were actually of uh, mixed white and African-American ancestry because of uh, some listings in the census and, you know, the whole one drop thing. So in one part of the census, somebody like listed her as Negro. Um, Yeah. yeah. And there's a mention of her under her original name in a predominantly black Chicago newspaper that, uh, describes it early her original her name was like cool like she's yeah such it's an odessa odessa cowell or something right? yeah odessa cohen or cowen cohen yeah cowen yeah. 
Um, interesting. I didn't know that. So, so what's also interesting is the, uh, the international sweethearts of rhythm. So they were all from the age of like 14 through 19 and they would go on these tours. They were, they were playing at predominantly, um, black jazz clubs, um, black venues, and they were all in school still. So they would go do these shows during school and then they had kind of like their JV team, which was called the Swinging Rays of Rhythm. And so when these girls were missing too much school, the Swinging Rays would go in and they'd play for them. And actually there was a bunch of girls, in 1941, a bunch of the girls were on a bus to head to a show. They found out that they wouldn't be able to graduate because they'd been touring too much. So but they also, like ran the, away. Wasn't the band basically created because the guy who started the school was opportunistic and was like, I got a bunch of ladies. We could teach them instruments. Yes. Yes. This and I hilarious. don't have enough information because in my mind it was like, oh, is it, is he, you know, like just trying to profit off these girls. But is he also, Lou Perlmaning this whole situation? And I don't think he was, but also I think like, yes, it was profitable. Yes, these girls were doing really well. So like, keep it up. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think it was all above board, but who knows? Um, but they did two tours, like East Coast to West Coast twice. And when this group kind of started to break up, in like the late 40s, they had started to go into Jim Crow South, or like in the South, like during the Jim Crow era. And integration was not acceptable. That was not okay. They had to, they had to live on their bus. They had to have rehearsals on the bus. They would do their school on the bus. They slept there. There were a bunch of restaurants and hotels and venues that they were not allowed into. And there were white women in the in the group, but they were not allowed to play with the black women. So they had to lie and say that their father was white and their mother was black because, quote, that's the way it was back then. So that's how they would be allowed to play with the black girls. And some of them had to put dark makeup on in the venues so that people didn't think that there were white women playing with black women, which like gives off like a little bit of like blackface connotations, mm -hmm. but it wasn't them profiting off, you know, minstrelsy or anything. It was just like, we're not going like to have the whole band together. With the rest if, of, yeah. I would like to yeah. play with my full band. Yes. And there was actually, there's actually a documentary that came out in 2011 called The Girls in the Band, which looks amazing. They had one of those like extended trailers where it was like seven, eight minutes long. And so I'm watching it forgetting that it's a trailer and then it ended. I was like, well, wait, I want to know more. And they talked about, one of the women in there talked about how how difficult racism and segregation was on this on this group and jazz in general at the time and specifically for female jazz artists because we Natalie you talked about Billy Tipton Billy Tipton oh my gosh I had I had their name in my head earlier and of course just blanked where some people think that Billy Tipton 
uh, presented male because it was hard to get into jazz as a female. And that may have been the reason why, but it was really hard. You saw predominantly female vocalists if they were mm-hmm. doing jazz or blues. Not a whole lot of actual but, musicians. Yeah. And if there were, it was usually piano. And there's actually this disgusting interview in the 1940s where this it's like a a tv spotlight on women in jazz and the voiceover is like most women are at a disadvantage physically playing the instruments because they're not strong and rippling as men that's why you see more women playing the piano because it's not as physically demanding hard Mm. cut to this unreal uh female jazz pianist and the interviewer goes to her how have you been able to overcome the handicap of being a woman playing the piano and her face was just like what and she had she just gave the response you know the typical one we hear all the time of i don't think of myself as a woman pianist i just think of myself as a musician and also (laughs) physically demanding like uh, yeah, well, you would you know, sweat playing instruments, but yeah. it's uh, I don't know. I but, was you know, and women could never be play the the wind instruments or brass instruments to the same degree as men because men have larger lung capacities. Oh, and th- they said that science. too. They said specifically wind instruments. Women have difficulty with wind instruments because they lack the the strength and the breath support and all that stuff. It's like women have been holding their breath for (laughs) ages, ages. I think we got that lung support. And so there were, there were all female bands. They say that, you know, it was, it was usually either played off as a novelty. Like, look at all those chicks holding instruments. Or do they, they even know to... how that works? Yes. It's a prop and a man is probably playing from backstage. <laughs> um or they had to very much like like Ina Ray Hutton, like lean into the 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 sex of it all. Um in the And lean she did. She's oh, yes. fucking hot. <laughs> She's gorge. Um in the documentary, um one of the women said the guys can have white hair, wear glasses, and be 300 pounds. But if they can play, great. The girls, they want to look like a bunch of film starlets. And Ina Ray Hutton does. Like, she looks like a bleached Claudette Colbert type. Like, and when, so she's, the band leader is, they're musicians, but they're, like, essentially conducting. They do a lot of singing. They do a lot of the crowd work. Um, not Dizzy Gillespie, but, uh, like, Count Basie. Count Basie was a famous band leader and he played an instrument, he sang, he did, you know, jokes, he was conducting and leading all the different sections in at the same time. And so Ina Ray Hutton, like she was doing all these things and you see this with a lot of female band leaders, they make it more like a dance, like with their baton, they're kind of going crazy and then they're like shaking their hips and like, it almost look, not like strip teasy, but they're kind of dancing for the crowd and they lean into that a lot more than a lot of the male band leaders who are just kind of like bouncing and having a good time. And that's how they got people to watch the, to come to these, you know, 
take these chicks seriously and go see them. Mm-hmm. But um, Earl Hines, who was a famous jazz musician and band leader, uh, he called the International Sweethearts of Rhythm specifically the first freedom writers because they were making such a huge impact with women of color, with women in jazz, in the bebop genre. And these women weren't just like good musicians who all got together and were in a girl band. They were formidable. They were better than most of the guys. They influenced most of the guys. In the documentary, one, I think he's a jazz historian, he's talking about Mary Lou Williams and Melba Liston, the trombonist that I initially was researching. (laughs) He said, all the guys were scared of Mary Lou, of Melba. I can see why they would be. Those women knew what they were doing, they knew how to play, and they were tough. Actually, that was a, a different woman that said that. The jazz historian said, if Mary Lou Williams had been a man, she would have been able to do more for the music, more for herself. She was like giving these guys like ideas and all that stuff. Count Basie actually pulled some of Mary Lou Williams like riffs and like a lot of the harmonics and bullshit she was doing, all that smart jazz stuff that I don't know anything about. They like analyze Count Basie's work and like a lot of her influences in there. Melba Lister uh, or Liston was a touring musician. She was the only female in the group she was playing with when she played with Count Basie, when she played with, um, she played with Billie Holiday for a few years. She was doing that for two or three years and then she quit. She hated life on the road. She said it was, it was difficult being a woman. You weren't paid well. You weren't treated with as much respect. She said, she's quoted saying, there's those natural problems on the road, the female problems, the lodging problems, the laundry, and all those kind of things to try to keep yourself together. Problems that somehow or other the guys don't seem to have to go through. Like everything is just, oh, you're a chick doing it, or Mm -hmm. you're just kind of like extra, kind of like added weight that is just, since guys don't have to go through, I don't know, lady stuff, you're almost an annoyance, a hindrance. It's yeah. it's difficult being a woman in a professional, in a touring industry, um, especially in entertainment. But she, so she ended up quitting. She took a desk job for a while and then she started arranging and composing. And she arranged for Randy Weston for 40 years, who was a famous jazz mm-hmm. musician who integrated a lot of like Afro beats and African music into jazz, into bebop, um, and kind of like expanded this genre. And she arranged for him. She wrote a lot of stuff for him that he integrated into his work. Clara Bryant, who was a trumpeter, who was also, I think she was in the International Sweethearts of Rhythm. She said, Melba didn't write easy. She would write these parts for people that were fucking hard. Like guys had difficulty playing this. Yes. She's like, I don't care. This sounds good. Fucking do it. Figure it it out. I can play it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Melba Liston worked as a ghost writer for a lot of her career where she's writing and arranging and doing really like incredible things that are pushing the genre of jazz itself. She's often not credited. She's spoken of by people who know who she is as an unsung hero because not many no one knows who Melba Liston is if you're not a, if you're not into jazz and if you mm-hmm. are into jazz you probably still don't know who she is because 
people aren't talking about female jazz musicians. Not a lot of people know about the International Sweethearts of Rhythm. In the 60s and 70s, there was this feminist movement, revitalization of women in history and women in music history. And so that's kind of how people heard about or reheard about the International Sweethearts of Rhythm. Someone said that if you if you were white, you have not heard of the Sweethearts at the time of their the height of their popularity. No matter how old you are, if you're white, you don't know about them because they're they're kind of pushed underground. They're women in a male dominated industry, and they're relegated to only black venues and black radio stations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So white people weren't exactly stepping outside of themselves to learn about other cultures at the time or still. Yeah. So they were not as known about. They did end up doing USO tours. They were the first um, black women to tour abroad for the army uh, because black servicemen overseas would write them letters and they said, please come play for us, please. So they they went overseas and they started touring for um, for the army and everything. I love this. Uh, there was there's a lot of critics and articles from Chicago, Nat, because Classic. they they went there a bunch and uh, one performance. And we're full of critics. Oh yeah, one performance in 1943 in Chicago. The Chicago Defender announced the band was one of the hottest stage shows that ever raised the roof of the theater. Yes, Chicago Defender uh, a was a is a black paper, so. It also yeah. makes sense that they would cover them. Exactly. Because yes. the white newspapers were like, who? <laughs> Pardon me? Whomst? Yeah. So, like, I and I was listening to, they've got videos on YouTube of them performing. I was watching the trailer for the documentary, which is only on, like, Tubo or something for free. Yeah. But it is on Amazon Prime, so I might have to just rent that or something. Because it looks phenomenal. But they've got clips of their live, like, big band performances. And so I was watching them, and they're phenomenal. Like, they're unreal. Like, they can swang, they can play, they can sing. Uh, and, yeah, I just, like, love jazz, and I want to play the trombone now. And, uh, You get yeah. your trombone, you get your trombone in back, and I'll get my saxophone in back, and we'll just have a little jazzy duo of yeah. us just, of us just picking up instruments we haven't played in ten years, and going like, <laughs> I didn't even play the trombone, but I'm gonna. You're also, gonna. Melba Liston, Melba only, she ended up forming her own all-female, um, group at one point, and she only has one recorded album with her as a band leader, and it's called... Melba Liston and her bones. Yes. And then there's an article, there's an NPR article about her called Melba Liston, Bones of an Arranger. Like, yes. Really leaning into all the trombone puns. And you know what? I'm okay with it. And I'm, I'm here not going to be mad about it. Sliding in and, and out of those puns. Eh? Yeah. Cass, Cass, they did it. Hmm? Did, wait, what now? They did it. They, they finally did it greatest store in the universe who raygun they did it they're the greatest store in the universe oh says who says raygun oh okay i'll buy it you know what else you can buy 
clothing, home goods, and time travel supplies at raygunsight.com or at any of their six stores? Exactly. Use promo code SHARIALATER to save on your next order. That's raygunsight.com, promo code SHARIALATER, all one word. Trombone, an incredibly difficult instrument. Uh, Very difficult. I kind of feel that way about all brass instruments, considering like I played, I, I played clarinet and saxophone. There are very precise fingerings for every note, basically. Like there's some <laughs> weird things, but it's yes. mostly like each note has its own hand and finger position. There you yep. go. Brass instrument. My brother played trombone, and I was like, "Are you just making it up and hoping that you're hitting the note?" Like it seems yeah. like a I, for a while, I thought a trombone was like a big kazoo. I was like, it's got to just be the way that you're that you're blowing into the instrument. I also cannot buzz my lips at all. I can't. It's do hard. It. Well, and so for trumpet, like in trumpet, you, same way. It's like we have you have three keys. Yeah. Good luck. So without pressing any buttons, you can play like five different notes. You can play low C, low G. High, like all the C's and G's are played without any any buttons. I mean, most of the notes. Mm-hmm. So depending upon the pitch, embouchure. the embouchure, like that's why I picked trumpet. I was like, I don't need to memorize all those buttons, but you know, you need to memorize like four different. To notes memorize like for, the like, idea of a button. Oh <laughs> my god! The concept. And then, and then trombone is the same, except mm-hmm. now you can also like slide all over the fucking place while hitting different pitches. And then there's a trombone where they've got a button on it. So it changes the octave. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? I don't know what, why. I don't know who told me this. I don't know if it's true, but it is true for me because I was told it at too young of an age to think critically about it. French horns, one of the most difficult instruments. Yeah. Great. As long as we both heard this. No, no, no. I heard it. And it's also because it all sounds like muted. Like they're not blowing hard enough. But they're blowing the fucking brains out. Mm-hmm. Um, also, man, just working at a music store. There's so many fucking weird instruments. Have you ever heard of a piccolo trumpet? I have actually heard of a piccolo trumpet. And there's a soprano trombone. I just recently, I don't know how I didn't know about this. It looks like a toy trombone. It's a little tiny baby trombone. It's a little tiny. It's like a foot long. It's insane. I want want somebody to get that little tiny trombone and then all the time just be like, (laughs) so it's like a tiny violin, but a tiny trombone. (laughs) I want it. I want it for the bits. Oh, oh my gosh. There's have you seen a quarter size violin? No. It's for little old babies. Who I have an American small. Girl doll violin. That's probably a quarter size. It's literally it's like not even a full foot long. It's so sweet. It sounds like shit. It's so squeaky. Quit quit giving babies violins. We don't quit need any more baby impressive vi- babies. I- I, I sometimes will discourage parents from letting their kids take violin lessons. Like, well, well, they think the violin sounds really pretty, so we're thinking we're going to do those lessons. And I'm like, I know professional violinists who will say it takes three years just to get a sound out of it. I don't know if you want your 
six-year-old fucking with that. It's awful. Awful instrument. I will say It's a great three... instrument if you can play it well, but it's oh. an awful instrument oh. to learn. 3,000 points to parents who encourage their children to learn instruments and who have the means to do so because it is an expensive thing to learn in any capacity. But also the patience, the patience it requires. Well, so here's a great parenting story here. There's this kid who was in marching band, but he held his trumpet like to the right, like almost almost horizontal. And his instructor kept trying to get him to hold it forward, but he had trained his mouth to play out of the side. So like lip training is like very difficult. And once you can get a sound out of your mouth one way, it's almost impossible to change it. So he had to play marching band with the trumpet to like hanging to the right. And they could not figure out why he was playing that way. Well, turns out his parents made him practice in the car. And so he couldn't, so he couldn't hold it straight because he's in this tiny little car. So he just kind of hold it to oh the my right. God. And he trained his lips that way. And I kind of love his parents for that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, lip training is like in like embouchure. You lose that so fast because I'm always like, I could pick back up saxophone. And I'm like, yeah, I could probably like, I remember, I remember some of the notes but that doesn't mean that my mouth will do it. Oh, it's hard. I had to I had to play a clarinet just to see if I could get the sound out because I don't even know how to play the clarinet, but if I can get the sound out and show a kid how to do it, so they're going to be like, oh yeah, I like that one. I'll pick it. That's all I needed to do. I was like, fuck. And getting nope. the reed placed the right way, like if you have the reed placed incorrectly, you're not getting anything out of there. You're not doing it. Um, but I will go uh, borrow a trombone from work and you get your saxophone out, dust that off, and we'll start. We'll be the... Don't have one anymore, the, but I keep trying to get people to buy me one. We'll be the Midwestern sweethearts of... of Squeaks. We'll make I do shirts. Love... <laughs> We're the Midwest squeaks. Thank you very much. <laughs> I do love the idea of just being a sweetheart of squeak. I feel like that's been my... Uh, what I've been my whole life. Um you steered right back into music, despite having another topic prepared for this evening, realizing that it might be our last episode of Just the Two of Us. Also Just realized... the two of us. Always. We can make it and we can Also realized, you know what I haven't done all season? What? Science! Oh my god! Wait, have you really not? I looked, and unless I, unless my spreadsheet's a lion, I haven't done a science. I don't think if I've done a science if all season. One thing I know about you, Natalie, it's that the spreadsheets never lie. Oh my god! Thank you. Stop flirting with me. <laughs> but also, never stop. Uh, yeah, I have not done a science this whole season so i dusted off some science so i'm taking you to 1768 china good science year great year for science so to give you some context we're in i think the early Qing dynasty women of course 
as we love to as we love to re-explain throughout history, women have no legal rights. <laughs> um, oh, okay, now I'm familiar where yeah, we're yeah, at. Yeah, no, you know exactly where we're at. That's all I need to tell you. <laughs> uh, education for girls and women, pretty much all household and child rearing duties, nothing but the classics. Um, but one woman, and I'm sure a lot of many, many other women, but for the sake of this story we're only talking about one woman one woman was like fuck being good i'm a bad bitch and she became let me stretch an accomplished astronomer mathematician textbook writer and because we love a good flex poet she also studied geography and medicine but she was known for the astronomy the maths the poetry i love when you get a science bitch who can write a poem and also no one fucking studies geography good for you girl right it's also kind of unclear like why she just happened to study geography so let me tell you this is the story of wang jenyi so jenyi was uh, an avid reader as as a child very smart and luckily for her living every young avid reader's dream uh her grandfather also loved reading had a huge collection of books had a collection of over 75 bookshelves give me some bookshelf yes give me some bookshelf porn any day (laughs) of the week so a nice mahogany mm, mm. Give me like a nice like a uh, like wing back chair. I want a wing back chair so much. <laughs> They're so expensive. You put wings on a chair and they jump in price astronomically. <laughs> apparently, they fly. They oh just boy, fly to the top of outside of my budget. I just <laughs> I want one. This isn't about my desire for a wing back chair, but like, please buy me one, um, listeners. Thank you. Uh, I'll figure that it'll be there will be a button on the Patreon. Yeah, donate to Natalie's wing back chair. I'll do it if I if we had the technology, I would. <laughs> um, but speaking of the astronomical prices of wing back chairs, uh, <laughs> Jenny's father or sorry grandfather was her first astronomy teacher. Her, I think he was also like a governor. I don't remember. I didn't write that down. I was very fixated on his collection of 75 book bookshelves. Her grandmother taught her poetry. So she was her first poetry teacher. And her father, so I'm going to take a little side quest for a hot second. In, during, for a couple of dynasties leading up to the Qing dynasty and also into the Qing dynasty, for those of you who don't know, there were things called the imperial examinations. And what they were was that they were a civil service examination system that was used to select candidates for state bureaucracy. So rather than people achieving bureaucratic positions or like positions in the state government for because of their birth, they were assigned them or deemed eligible for them based on merit. So that sounds good. Uh, it was pretty common practice for a, for a while in China. It actually came to an end later in the Qing dynasty. But at, at this point, I guess also her father probably maybe wasn't born in the Qing dynasty, but Xingyi was. So 
but her father failed his imperial examinations. So he wasn't he wasn't suitable or whatnot for a um for a state for a position in the bureaucracy. So instead he decided to study medicine and he published like a four volume collection on medicine. In English the title is called The Collection of Medical Prescriptions. But basically dad was where she picked up medicine and where she studied medicine. So her her grandfather's her first astronomy teacher, her grandmother teaches her poetry, her father teaches her medicine, and then for some reason geography and mathematics. All in-house studies? Yeah, she was How convenient. Yeah, right? It's like good good for her that she had an interest in these things and also had the exposure and tools at her disposal and people at her disposal to yeah. pursue them. So when her family, her family moves closer to the Great Wall when Grandpappy dies. And they're there for like four, five years, starting when she's like 14. And when she's there, she gains a new teacher and therefore another batch of skills. Ooh. Her new teacher is the wife of a local Mongolian general who teaches her equestrian skills, archery, and martial arts. She was an athlete too? Yeah, now she's like, I'm going to do math on horseback while doing while shooting arrows. And reciting fucking poetry. And reciting poetry. God damn, what couldn't she do? Listen, the this century that we currently live in, we all suck. <laughs> we We learn one thing, if that, before we started recording... I was telling Cass that literally everything in my life I can attribute to the fact that I can, like, I actually read the emails and will try to, like, that I actually, really, it's just that I read the emails. It's nobody knows anything, but if you read the emails, you might at least look like you know something. Meanwhile, in 1700s in China, they're doing everything all the time at once and they're damn good at it and i am gonna i have like an anxiety attack over which shoes to wear because it might rain i also told natalie that she was a freak because of the fact that she is a an actor like a comedian improviser but is also like the most on top of organizations spreadsheets timetables and apparently those two things just don't go together unless you're a freak and you're Natalie. Stop flirting with <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> Ugh, this podcast won't survive a, a, tr- a lover's <laughs> tryst. We can't cross that line. <laughs> so Ginny, she, she travels a bit. She's, you know, after mastering martial arts and archery, she travels Casual. a bit. She makes some friends with some other female scholars, of which I guess there were some, even though they are few and far between. And then she and then she really starts to focus on her studies in astronomy and mathematics, like formally, but also still she's completely self-taught. I mean, not self-taught. She has her family, but like n- not she in a school. She didn't go to an academy or anything. Yeah. So I'm going to spoiler alert to the end really quickly because Wang, Wang Zhenyi 
dies tragically young. She dies at 29. But not before accomplishing just, like, the most. So let's continue to um, hate her for being just great, but also, like, celebrate the hell out of her for doing so much shit. So in addition to, like, not studying in a school, she didn't have a formal lab to work in. So she would just conduct experiments in her home and in her, like, garden. And so she did this experiment, one of the most notable ones, this experiment she did to try and work out how the world revolved and specifically how an eclipse happened. Because at this point, folks think an eclipse equals angry gods. But Jenny writes in a book after doing this experiment that it's, no, it's because of the moon. Like, the, it's the moon. And and she's right. That's all she wrote. Guys, <laughs> actually, it's the moon. It's the moon. The end. Uh, the article is called On the Explanation of the, of the Lunar Eclipse. So this exhibit, what she does is she, in her, in like a garden, there's like a table in the middle and the table is earth. And then she uses a kind of spherical lamp, like a light source with like some crystals around it to represent the sun and a mirror to represent the moon. And just based on like the movements that she knows, like about astronomy, she kind of works out positioning and timing of like where things would be when to just nail the eclipse. Just exactly. You got it, girl. You got you figured it out. Yes. To have her moment of. It's the moon. She publishes 12 books, I think, all on astronomy. It sounds like most of the math that writing that she does were like proofs and, and articles. But she also has a bunch of articles about astronomy. Oodles of articles. In addition to being like, yo, lunar eclipse is because of the moon. She also explains kind of like the number of stars that there are, basically. She There's explains, a lot of those. Yeah. Well, she doesn't count them. She just is like, <laughs> this is based on this. Um, she kind of roughs out, like, and describes the cosmos and the relationship of Earth within it from all of her understandings. She describes, she explains in one of her articles the revolution and direction of the sun, the movements of the moon and the planets. She she has one article that she explains why people can't fall off the Earth. Um, she Please, explained... God, can we republish that article? Cause... We might have to. Oh, my God. I love I love flat Earth jokes. I will always be like, well, the Earth is flat. And it's really funny to me to say that. But also I realize how many flat earthers there are. And it makes me so devastated. We as a as a as a people, as as a humans, really Suck. love to go backwards oh my god it's our favorite our best movement is one that is regressive we've mastered that the music all told us look the cha-cha slide said take it back i was trying to make a cha-cha slide joke i was trying so hard to make a cha-cha slide joke (laughs) we did in fact take it back now y'all Oh, but we didn't hop forward at all. Nope, nope, nope. Polio's we coming back because we, didn't even we decided slide to the right or the left. No. Nope, mm. and we really are bad at chaing real smooth. <laughs> so, so bad. Hey, Nat, can we make this quick? I have to go check on my sponge. Your sponge? Ugh, you've been binging Bake Off again, haven't you? Four words: Paul Hollywood soggy bottom. 
Okay, well, when you're done with amateur hour, the adults will be over here ordering cakes from the pros at ECBG Cake Studio, because they make specialty cakes for all occasions. We're talking custom birthday cakes. We're talking jaw-dropping wedding cake masterpieces. We're talking Paul Hollywood just shook my hand, I deserve a cake cakes. ECBG Cake Studio, you said? Yes, and if you insist on trying to perfect your sponge, they also offer online baking classes. So follow at ECBG underscore studio on Instagram or visit their website, ecbgstudio.com. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad. Jenny, um... Uh, what else does she? What else does she explain? What else does she science? What doesn't she science? Right. Uh, she, like I said, she describes. She explains the lunar eclipse. She also fi- like explains the correlation between the lunar and solar eclipses. If we republished her works today, aside from the fact that we would not understand them because they would be in Chinese, they would be very understandable because. That was another thing that she was like known for and like really good at is that she firmly believed that education was for everybody and access to this information was important. So even if you weren't in school, like she didn't go to school, you should be able to read and understand these things other very smart people are writing down and working out. So what she would do in addition to publishing her own work, she also revised other scientists' work and other mathematicians work that was some of which had been like around for a while she literally would do it to make it more understandable she would simplify mathematical proofs just like boil it down in one of her books education should be accessible there i said it i said it how brave of you (laughs) i i'm willing to take some flack for that one um, she also, like in one of her books, speaking of accessibility and education, in one of her books, she develops easier, like just an easier format of multiplication and division methods. Like she just like was like, this is a simpler multiplication table. Can um, I get a copy of that? <laughs> like my, my mental math is so bad. Natalie, I've contemplated getting flashcards as an adult. I think that just also like phones have made me incapable of doing any math. I used to. Yeah, we'll you wanna, say that for me too. You want to hear something that won't surprise you about me at all? Yes. I used to do long division for fun when I got bored in a class. Tell me something that would not surprise me. Because that's welcome. not it. Did I word that right? <laughs> I have no idea what you said. It seemed like a word problem that also is really bad at word problems in math. I just, I, nothing stresses me out than uh, reading a word problem and knowing that then and or an or will completely change the problem. Uh, those double negatives. I can't handle it. Can't. Well, we wouldn't have to deal with that from Jeannie because she would have written that shit clear and simple. <laughs> Mathematically, her area of expertise, in case you were wondering, was trigonometry. Of um, course it was. Just some light trigonometry. But what's also great is so she was only she she only lived for 29 years and in her time she was recognized as a first rate scientist. Good. Like we love to see it. You love she, to see it. There in multiple biographies about her like or fragments of bi- biographies cuz time is a thing and we constantly are burning libraries. Um, <laughs> she she even had she's even recorded to have a few male pupils. Which is bananas at the time that she would have male, she would have male students and that more specifically that men would 
go to her to be taught. Okay, but did she have meter-long breasts? She did not need meter-long breasts. She didn't need meter-long breasts. Natalie, give us a... Nobody... nobody... Who was that in the previous episode? Lady Zhu, apparently we have to (laughs) mythologize. They did not need to mythologize her. No. She just... She was that good. They just were like, you're great. We recognize it. So, um... She had a meter-long brain. I haven't even talked about her poetry. Oh my god, that's right! Meter. Great segue. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so she was. So she. She also was like very outspoken and advocated that within society, men and women are quote are all people who have the same reason for studying. She just was like, let us learn. I love um, science. It's very much a, a who was it? Um, Shen Shang. Oh. oh no, I was. Uh, Shen Sheng, who was like, I doubt, like, I wonder if the molecules care that I'm a woman. Like that, yes. quote, that wonderful quote. I was going to say Katie Heron from Mean Girls. Math is the same in every language. <laughs> but you went a little more intellectual than I did. <laughs> uh, I was like, where you could go Al Woods and just go, what? Like, it's hard? <laughs> so I will, I will read to you. A, an excerpt from one of her poems i didn't i don't have a full one for you but i particularly liked this bit so we're doing it so in one of her poems she writes it's made it's made to believe women are the same as men are you not convinced daughters can also be heroic because they can they can they is they are they can they is they have been so in addition to her like dozen of dozen books on astronomy, she also leaves 13 volumes of poetry, prose, and prefaces and postscripts written for other works. 13 volumes? Yeah. Jesus, a volume is a lot of work. Mhm. And a lot of her writing also is um her writing is like because she was very outspoken her writing is very like progressive. She doesn't really use flowery language. It's unusually direct, especially for female poets of the time. It like she poignantly depicts scenes of like wealth and gender inequality. Like that's very much a thing that she's focused on in her society. She even like straight up calls out the misogynist views of her fellow acade- male academics like in her poems, which I'm like nice. it's like the subtweet of poetry. <laughs> She, but yeah, she didn't write about flower. She didn't really write with a lot of flowery words. And so kind of in response to that, more or less, the famed uh, Qing dynasty scholar Yuan Mei described her poetry. He's also a poet and an artist described her poetry as it, quote, had the flavor of a great pen, not of a female poet. She was just a damn good poet. Ooh, that's a good line. Yeah. I don't like that it has to like pet. qualify it of it's like, but also to your, to your point in your story of it's not, we're, these aren't, we're not great female musicians. We're great yeah. musicians. <laughs> like we yes. don't see ourselves as, as accomplished female pianists. Right. We're musicians. Yes. Um, but highlighting the fact that we're women makes it easier for other women to do this thing and mm-hmm. for shitty dudes to recognize that you don't need to be a shitty dude to be good at whatever you're at. But we, like but no one goes around identifying as a shitty dude female actor or, dude. or yeah. a female or a shitty dude. Actor. 
I'm a, I'm they a should shitty be. dude and I'm really good at math. I want to start doing that because people say there's always like that joke where or running thing where people are like, I'm going to start being like, yeah, he was a male doctor. <laughs> be like, oh, have you met Chad? He's a male violinist. I want to start being like, have you met Chad? He's a shitty dude violinist. <laughs> And he's, he's a really good violin. He's not a shitty violinist. He's just a shitty dude violin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a very, he's very accomplished for a shitty dude violin. <laughs> oh my God. That's my new favorite thing. Or just being like, he's a, he, like it, his name could be Steve. Like he's a Chad violinist. Yeah. Yuan May. Oh, you, Yuan May. He's what a, what a famous shitty dude Qing dynasty scholar. <laughs> Such fame. Um, so that is, that is, uh, that is Wang Zhenyi, who has a crater named after her on Venus. Of course she does. Because yep. women are from Venus. As they are. As uh, they yeah, there was a name for her in like 2004 by I think some astronomical society. But I love her. Um, how did she die? You said it was... It doesn't say. It was just I couldn't, it was young. There's there's no record of how she died, but there is record of her knowing that she was going to die. Oh, no. So I feel like it had to have been illness because she gave her... She made sure to, like... She didn't have any children. She did get married. She was also in, in history, like, they make a point of saying that she was very happily married, but also... You'd love just, like, to see a lady scientist happily married, too. Yeah. Because usually dudes don't like it when their wives are not shitty dudes. <laughs> Precisely. Um, it is weird how many straight men want to be married to shitty dudes. <laughs> it's bizarre to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I would I my I would hypothesize that it was a that it was illness because she made a point of giving her work, making sure that like she gave like a copy of some of her work to like a nephew. Or something. Natalie's using words like hypothesize because we're talking about science. Mm -hmm. Getting into the science vibe. I read a couple of biographies about scientists and I just start <laughs> busting out the lingo. I almost said Pythagorean theorem earlier in the Ooh, Pythagoras and his theorems. Gotta love them theorems. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure, I'm trying to remember when, when I first heard of her. I'm sure it's because of my postcards, but I'll take it. I still it. have your, your, um, oh my gosh, uh, scientist. Chin Chun. Chun, yes. I still have that postcard. It's, it's fabulous. It's beautiful. I love the art. Honestly. If I, if there is a, a Wang Jinyi, I will, I'll send you that one too. Those Can are the I collection say... of all of my topics. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Just flashcards. All right, I'll do this topic today. Um, I get so excited and angry when we bring topics from East Asia, Southeast Asia, all that stuff, because I I was always so interested in European history, Western European history, had just no time for anything outside of it because we weren't really taught anything outside of it. And if it was, it wasn't like historical, it, you know, and I just feel like I missed out on so much interesting history and interesting people from history and we brought so much this past season and a half of asian history and science and it kind of pisses me off that i'm just now getting to it hey I'm just now finding all of it yeah you're at least you found it 
At least I found it. You're learning. We're all learning. I didn't learn it. Look, part this is part of the whole part of part of the podcast. I didn't learn this shit in school. <laughs> the only reason that I the the first time that I really le- learned about the Silk Road was from the Carmen San Diego video game. The so. video game that we both played. Yes. So like Thank you, Carmen. Yeah, thank you, Wear in Time. Or Great Chase Through Time, depending on which year your copy was from, but they were the same <laughs> game, basically, uh, for for teaching us anything outside of Europe. Yes. There's but a lot going on outside of Europe. There's so much. There's so more much. interesting stuff, too. <laughs> well, it's so funny because it's very much like, okay, we talk about how we don't like, we don't like American history because we're babies. America is a baby. America's a baby. And I don't care. America's a whiny baby and I don't care. And so that's why European history is so much more interesting is that there's so much more there. You know where there's even more maybe? Tell me, Natalie. Oh, the whole other half of the planet. All of Asia. Asian Africa is like... All of Africa. <laughs> all of South America. And we're here to yes, share it. Yes, it gets harder because we get we get more dad asterisk. But like, it's still out there and there's still, there's still stuff to find and it... Uh... And we're sharing it with each other and we're sharing it with you, friends. And we hope you share it with us. Did you we guys also know hope you that you become... That? I also, well, I also want to say that I hope that you share it with others, listeners. Oh, yeah. I hope that you become that person at a party who says, well, actually, it was the moon. Do that for Jinyi. Be, be, do it, do do it, it for, for her. her. I was trying to bring it back to us. I, mean, I know. We'll bring it back to us. Y'all can email us questions, corrections, or suggestions at sharedhistorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also... Rate and review us on Apple Podcast or Stitcher and share new things with us or expound upon things we've shared with you whilst sharing with others. Yeah. I have we've had a couple we've we've had we've had a bunch of listeners like write in comments or like DM us and say like, hey, can you cover so and so? And I wanna say to all the people who've said that, yes, we can. They're on the list. They have been added. There's a spreadsheet for that. <laughs> of course there's it. a spreadsheet. You can uh, you can DM us as well and find all sorts of goodies on our social medias. We are at SharedPod on Instagram and Twitter. We are not on Facebook because I don't have Facebook. And if Natalie's not running it, probably not going to get updated. <laughs> well, and because Facebook is where um, misinformation goes to live, not, uh, yes. <laughs> not history. Yes. Oops. Oh, no. Oops. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we said it we We said said it it. we stand by it we think that facebook is full of misinformation and that everyone deserves an education some hot takes sue us (laughs) i came in hot and i'm giving you hot takes and here we are so please give us a follow we we just we just like you guys all so much uh let us know if you want Cass to keep flirting with me and until then Share you later. later. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.